0: thank you so much for joining hill city church online for more information about how we do life together you can find us at hillcitychurch.ca we would love to help you discover your next steps in this journey of living and loving like jesus now stay tuned for another encouraging and inspiring message from hill city church Hey, um, we're going to jump right into it. We are continuing on with our Make It Your Mission series, and this is part three. Um, this is the last part of our series, and then we're going to be starting a new series that's in line uh, with our Abbotsford location called Over the Wall. That sounds exciting. Hey, all you risk takers, adrenaline junkies, we're going to go over a wall. You know, a lot of times there's, um, there's a lot of things that try to keep us in life from reaching people who are on the other side of the wall. I don't know whether it be fear, whether it be rejection, or just religious behavior at times that keeps us from reaching the people that God gave His only Son for to redeem and to, to bring into His family. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through that over the next couple of months. We're gonna go through all the things, or maybe not all the things, but a bunch of the things that really are walls in our lives and keep us from reaching people. It's gonna be a great great series. Everybody excited for that? Awesome. If you weren't here last week, we talked about, uh, it was part two of our Make It Your Mission series called Boxes and Spheres. We talked about how um, we're, our faith isn't supposed to just be in a box, it's not supposed to be locked up, and God isn't supposed to be in a box, but really, we're, our faith is, is meant to grow and to increase, and as it increases, our, as our influence will also expand, and the sphere of our influence will expand, and the kingdom of God goes forward. And thank you so much for all your prayers and intercession and great faith, because our podcast is up. Come on, that's awesome. So, Hill City Church Mission, if you look for us on Apple Music uh, or Apple Podcasts, you'll find us. And uh, it be great. Just give us a subscribe, and uh, we can, you can always stay up to date with everything that's going on as far as our preaching. So, I'm going to be preaching today on our last part here called Buildings and Bodies, from the subject Buildings and Bodies. How many of that sounds exciting, hey? Are we alive? We're alive. Okay, good, awesome. I want to make sure I have the right people. I'm going to be preaching to you out of Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42. I don't know if you're familiar with the book of Acts. The Bible kind of has some weird names uh, for books at times, and Acts is really just what was life like for the disciples for the church after Jesus died. This is—it's just like it's probably one of the craziest books in the Bible because, like, you'll see all throughout this, this book of the Bible is this word suddenly. And it's like, you can always match the word suddenly to the Holy Spirit, right? So this is, this is now what's happening with the church as the Holy Spirit has come down. And it's actually written by a guy named Luke, who's like a doctor, but was also like a historian. So that is why the Gospel of Luke is like a million miles long. Everybody ever read the Gospel of Luke? It's like, it just keeps going on and on and on in so many little details, Um but I'm just gonna give you kind of a synopsis of Acts chapter one and two. We know Jesus has just died and and, he's, and the disciples are trying to figure out what they're gonna do next and they're, not trying, they're trying to figure out what happened to Judas and they're starting to realize, well, actually that was, you know, Judas betrayed Jesus and, and they're trying to reconcile that, but they're realizing actually that was foretold in the old scriptures. And, but now we've gotta figure out who's gonna take his place. And, but what's so crazy is Jesus shows up resurrected, and it says for like 40 days he was speaking to them. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine being a disciple, being one of the apostles? Jesus dies, and all the plans in your head about him making you like a mover and shaker in his new natural kingdom, defeating the Romans, is just kind of blown out of the water, and you're realizing that, oh my goodness, this man who I saw crucified is now in the flesh, talking to me and teaching, teaching me for like 40 days. Who said the Bible was boring? You know what I mean? But Jesus starts talking to him. He's like, okay, guys, you need to listen to me. I don't want you to go and start a nonprofit yet. I don't want you to start a ministry I don't want you to start a church, even though you are the church. I don't want you to go start anything until you receive power from on high. Acts chapter one, verse eight. You will receive dunamis, miracle-working power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So stay here in Jerusalem. Don't run off. How many of you know, like in our life, in this Christian walk, we're thinking, okay, I gotta do this stuff. And God's saying, no, no, don't just do this stuff. I want you to have the power in you. See, so often we think, okay, I gotta, it's about what I can do in this Christian walk. And it's like, yes, yes, there are actions and there are works that we're called to, but there's power that we're called to first. And God wants you to experience that power. Well, Man, the disciples are gathered together in a bunch of 100, like probably about 120 people are in, there in this upper room, and the Holy Spirit falls upon this place as it was promised in the book of Joel, saying that like, your sons and daughters will prophesy, and, and there's this great fulfillment. The Holy Spirit comes and fills these people so much so that they were speaking in tongues, they were speaking in known languages and unknown languages, and it's like they had flames of fire on their head. This is, this is no boring book, folks. But here's what's so crazy. We get to this part in Acts chapter two, and this is where we're gonna start in verse 42. You know, Peter, this man who is just, you know, who had denied Jesus, right right in front of him, had denied him three times. Now Peter is the one who stands up when the Holy Spirit comes on him and preaches a message of all messages, and 3,000 people get saved. How many know there's hope for all of us? You got a story, maybe your past isn't that great, and maybe you could, rec- could kind of relate with Peter. You're a little bit hard to deal with. You've got a lot of thoughts that just kind of come out of your mouth and bypass the filter. Anybody else? Right? There's hope for you and me, folks. If God can use Peter, he can use you and me. But we get to this, we get to the scripture in Acts chapter two and verse 42, and it says, they, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And check this out. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. In the next 32 minutes and 18 seconds, I wanna preach to you from the topic of building and bodies. Can we pray? Can we pray together? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, we're asking that by your spirit here this morning, you would cause your spirit to bring these words off of the page so they wouldn't just be heard, they wouldn't just be read, but God, something would happen deep within our hearts, God, that we would be inspired, we would be motivated, that grace would be released to live and love like Jesus. And everybody said, amen. What is this thing called church? You ever ask yourself that? Like, really, what is church? I think a lot of us, and and maybe those, if you're if you're new to faith, or you're new to Christianity, or you're you just wandered in here by chance for some odd reason and decided to hang out. A lot of times, we when we, when we think about church, we think that it's it's a, this steepled building with a lot of people who have their act together, or at least perceive to have their act together and let everybody else know that they have their act together. It's just where they gather on a Sunday morning just to really just experience the crutch of Jesus because they're weak and they're all this stuff. That's, that's how church is perceived from the outside. That it's just a building, that it's just a, it's just a time on Sundays. It's just part of this weekend experience. And unfortunately, those who would say that they follow Jesus really can't give a definition. Most of us can't give a definition that's much greater than that. Oh, it's just something I do on Sundays. It's just something Yeah, I'm a part of. I go to this building. And um, I wanna say this, that the church is not a building, but it's a body. Church is not... A structure made of stone, concrete, even comfy purplish chairs. Church is not those things, but church is something made of flesh and bone. Jesus didn't die to redeem a physical structure. Jesus died to to redeem people like you and me. In Matthew 16, there's this story where Jesus is is walking with his disciples and he asks this crazy question. He's like, guys, who do people say that I am? And they start talking. They're like, oh man, every time he asks me a question, I'm like, I gotta be really careful because he always asks the question, but he's not looking for information. He's like, it's like so hard to deal with you sometimes, Jesus. Like, can't you just tell me what you're thinking? You know? But he says, who do people say that I am? They say, well, Jesus, some of you say that like, you're John the Baptist, which is kind of weird because I know he's dead. I, I was there, you know, like I was around. And some of you say you're one of the prophets, maybe Jeremiah or something like that. And some of you say you're a good teacher and all this, all this stuff. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, in this moment of brilliance, says, you're the son of the most high God you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. And Jesus says to him, he's like, man, Peter, you're so blessed because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And on this rock, I'm gonna build my church, Peter. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now there's times like historically Christianity and, and there's different People have kind of taken what Jesus was saying. as like, oh, he's going to build the church on Peter. That Peter's going to be the rock of this church. No, 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 no. Jesus is building this church on the revelation of who Jesus is. See, the church is a body built around Jesus. That so Jesus is the center of this thing. So we've got to ask ourselves this question. Because if we, we got, how we answer the question, what is church, is really, you need to answer the question, what is Jesus building? And I wanna tell you here today, Jesus is building you and he's building me. If you would claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you would claim to be a faith person and a disciple of Jesus, you need to know something. God's wanting to build you. He's not just creating a place for you to sit on Sunday mornings, but he's wanting to build you by his spirit. He's wanting to work in you and establish something in you that goes way beyond your Sunday morning schedule. If we look in the New Testament, and maybe if, you're, if you didn't know this, the New Testament is written in Greek originally. And um, there's, the word church is actually the word ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. You're all Greek theologians now, okay? Just that easy. And it, it's, it's so amazing, this word Ecclesia means a called out people. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus' church, see it doesn't say that Jesus' church is perfect people. Jesus' pe- Jesus's church is people that have all their stuff together. They don't have any shortcomings or failures or struggles. They're perfect people. No, 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 they're just called out people. What what have we been called out from? I think if we were to create an an opportunity here for us to pass the mic around, man, there'd be some crazy things that we've been called out of. And if you're here today and you feel like, I'm still in some of this stuff, well, I got good news for you, folks. Jesus is wanting to call you out. Call you out of the darkness, call you out of the sin, call you out of the discouragement, call you out of the confusion, the depression, the anxiety, the fear, and call you in to himself. It'd be a great place to say amen, church. Glad you're with me. That's good. You know, in 1 Peter chapter two and verse nine, there's this amazing scripture that says, but you, everybody say me, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light that's your position. If you are a Jesus follower, that's your position. Not darkness, not yesterday, not what happened to you over there, not what so-and-so did to you, but what Jesus did for you. That is who you are. You are in his light. That is where you live and move and have your being. You are his church. We have got to ask yourself this question. So we've answered, what is church? Well, Jesus, Jesus called church to be a people who are called out. He said, I'm going to build my church, and it's going to be an offensive weapon to defeat darkness, because I've defeated darkness for my church. Therefore, I am sending them to go, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. So how now is Jesus building his church? Well, we see in Acts chapter 2, there's just these several different points that I just want to bring out. It says, number one, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. If you want to be built up in your faith, the Bible has to be a, like, a core part of your Christian walk. Like, we don't believe that this is just black and white ink on paper, just a book among other books. We actually believe that this is God this is God's word breathed through humanity. You go, well, hey, human beings wrote this book. How can it be from God? Well, folks, every book was written by a human being. So, but we've got to take it in that this book has 66 different, or yeah, 66 books, 33 different authors written over thousands of years and proclaims the same message that Jesus is the Messiah, that God is going to give his only son to redeem humanity, to bring them back into right relationship with him. That is a consistent message in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We see in the Old Testament it is looking towards the cross and the cross is, is like a hidden mystery. And now on the New Testament we see this revealed work of what Jesus has done. And now we live in the light of that finished work. See, it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That word devoted means passionate, persevering, consistent. They had a consistent relationship with God's word. And see, this is what's so amazing about the Bible. Hey, who's ever tried to read the Bible and it's just like, it's so hard to understand at times, right? You ever done that? And it's just like, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. And then there's these other times where you feel like it's reading you. And that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit that can happen when you, when you open up the scriptures and you say, God, speak to me. He's, you start to read a verse and you go, oh my goodness, that's, a, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. That's God building you up. But if we don't create an opportunity for God's word to be speaking to us, we can miss out. Like, I, man, I, I'm not going to get off on tangent there. Caught myself. See, I'm getting better. If we don't create time for that, so many other things, so many other philosophies and worldviews can, can start to creep in. And we start, they, they almost like, they start to just move in and eclipse who God is in our life. And we go, I don't even really know what I believe anymore. And I, man, I don't, I don't, is life even wor- really worth living? And what does life even mean? And you start to adopt other philosophies that are destructive and rooted in falsehood. We need to have our minds renovated. It's like Romans 12 says that like we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that our minds would be renewed. We wouldn't be conformed to this world, but we'd be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. See, God's word is like a renovating uh, contractor. It goes through your mind, changes the way you think. It changes the way you look at life. It changes the way you look at your own life and what life really means. It changes the way you look at people around you and your circumstances. You start to see your life from God's perspective. There's this other word here. It says, so they were dedicated. They were passionately committed to the word of God. They were committed to the apostles' teaching and to this message of Jesus. It says that they were also committed to fellowship. Folks, we're not called to live life alone. Do you know, like, loneliness is, like, one of the biggest, like, it is the epidemic of today. We have hundreds of people following us on Instagram, we maybe have a Facebook account, and we, we would say that we have 600 friends according to Facebook. Yet we feel so alone. Yet God, God never purposed you or myself to live isolated, yeah. to live alone in our own stuff. And says that these people, they were dedicated, they were, they were continually giving themselves to fellowship. And that's the Greek word koinia, and it would be best described like this that it is the mortar that keeps bricks together. You ever seen a brick wall before? It is the mortar that is in between those bricks that binds them together. It's this genuine sense of community. Church, that's what we're supposed to be. We're not just supposed to be cool with each other. Yeah, so-and-so, they're all right. We go to the same church, but we we don't hang out. We're not supposed to be like that. Because how, how are you supposed to break up a body? A body that's broken up is dead. But when we're together, when a body is whole, when there's unity, God commands His blessing in our lives. and there's things that would try to separate us. There's things that would try to, to try to isolate us. There's fear, there's rejection. There's a judgmental, critical spirit that can sometimes try to keep us from embracing one another, even in our faults and our failures. And we wanna to try to separate each other, but God's wanting to bring us together so that we could be healed because there's a healing that takes place in community. There's a healing that takes place when you find your belonging, when you find your tribe, and God sets you in a body like Hill City Mission and says, I'm gonna heal you in this place. It can be some of the scariest things to really live authentic and vulnerable with real people. But that's the place where God wants you to be. Where we are actually committed to one another in a grace-based, truth-based relationship. What does that mean? Well, if anybody, I got people in my life that I know that if I were to cross the line, or if I was living in some way that would portray that I don't believe what I say, I would believe, or if I, to, if I were to live in a way that would be contrary to my values, or even what the scriptures require of leaders, I have people in my life that would say, "Hey, Brian, this doesn't look good on you, dude. Seems like, man, how are you feeling? You seem like really you've just been, the way you've been talking. You seem it's really jealous." Or, or what are you so mad about? Man, are you, how, like, how are you doing? That's the genuine relationship that Koenia brings. And you, know what, you want to know what they do? They don't go, well, I guess, man, you're disqualified. You had a bad day, I guess. We're gonna have to find a new campus pastor. I don't know what we're gonna do. No, what they say, hey, Brian, dude, like, I love you, man, and I'm committed to you. And this, this has to stop. The anger, the frustration, or whatever's going on, we're gonna pray through this right now, and it's gonna stop. But I love you, and I'm committed to you. And we're gonna keep walking together. That's community. That's koinonia. That's that binding relationship that only God can bring together between two people, or to a group of people. Because Jesus said something so amazing. He said, that the world will know that you're my disciples because of what? You ever read that verse before? Because of your love for one another. Isn't that, isn't that incredible that it wasn't just like how great you guys can worship together on a Sunday morning, how awesome you can lift your hands and you can shout and you can sing and you can dance. And man, my goodness, you even give in the offering. Woo! No, what they what causes an unbelieving, confused world to take notice is our love for one another. Look, we read in Acts; they were the, the, this is a byproduct of revival. This is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit's moving. It's people are selling their stuff so that they can give to those anybody who would have need. Kind of countercultural today, isn't it? We're trying to get as much as we can, can as much as we get, and sit on the can. Oh, I gotta make more money. I gotta get that. I'm all for toys, and I'm all for nice things. Like, believe me. But my goodness, there's so much more that God's wanting to do through us. And it's like, we're not just just churchgoers. We're not just like church attendees that just go to the same rock concert or something like that or go to the same motivational speech. We are the body of Christ. And if one part suffers, we all suffer. So God is wanting to bring us together in such a way that the world would see, wow, there is a God because of the way that they love one another. It says that they were breaking bread. They were going from house to house, breaking bread and this is, this kind of ties into Koinea in some ways, but I, I want to speak to this. This is an integration of our lives. You know how many people breeze into a church experience just like this and breeze out. You know they come in and maybe sit down, and somebody maybe introduces to them themselves to them, and but then that's it. See you next week, I guess. Is is that is that what Jesus died for? That you and I would be able to come and sit in our little stalls and then go live the rest of our lives, the rest of our weeks separate from one another? That that some people is is the saddest thing. Man, I'm not gonna get emotional. I might get emotional. (laughs) You know, early just a couple months ago, this is a real, really Heartbreaking story. There's a man in our church who who died of an overdose. And uh, and what was so hard is he felt he felt like man he is just he had failed he had done too much he had he had gone too far that man there was no hope for him he was never going to get his act together. And I remember I I prayed with this man so many times and his heart was so soft but he was just man, he was just hard on himself, you know? And I know what that's like. And it was so crazy. He, like, as, I was talking with a friend of mine he read in his diary once after he had passed, he just felt so alone. He felt like he was, he was so alone. There was 150 people who came to his memorial. 150 people, yet he felt alone. These are 150 people that at any moment could have been there for him and would have been there for him. Guys, we're not meant to live like that. We're not meant to live our lives separate from one another. Listen, if there's people that you're thinking about in the day, I want you to pray for them. But I even want you to go one step forward. I want you to call them. I want you to be like, hey, let's go grab a coffee this week. Hey, man, I was thinking about you. I was praying this week for you, man. How's your job going? How's your family going? How's your wife? How's your kids? How are you doing? Let's hang out sometime, man. Let's get our families together. And it doesn't have to be perfect. There can be dishes in the kitchen. The house can be a mess. But when love is in the house, Toby Mac says, the house is packed, right? Our lives cannot be separate like this because when our lives are separated, we get isolated and the enemy has his way with our lives. Not just in destruction, but even in hindrance. We don't move forward. We don't progress. And we don't walk into what God really has for us. This last part says that they were were giving themselves to prayer. Prayer. And sometimes in prayer, like in the Christian walk, it can seem like this is, it's, this is the one thing that's so hard to do, isn't it? Just to even just still your mind and be like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna not think about a million other things right now, I'm just gonna focus on the Lord for like 30 seconds. Lord, you have my mind. Lord, you have my mind. That bill, okay, we got that bill coming up. Okay, that's yeah, it's gonna be due on the 20th. No, Lord, you have my mind. I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm your guy. I'm your praying. I'm your, I'm, your, I'm your spiritual son or daughter. I'm right here, God. Okay, I'm gonna pray. Another 30, 30 seconds. The kids, the kids are crazy. God, help me. The kids, the kids. And it's, it's so, it's so hard to do. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that that's the hardest thing for you and I to do at times? Because it's the most powerful thing in your life. And if the enemy can throw distractions at you, can throw discouragement at you, can start playing this whole card, like, who do you think you are? You're praying now. I know what you did 10 minutes ago. I even know what you thought 30 seconds ago, and now you're wanting to fold your hands like a nice, good Christian. You need to know something. That is not the voice of God. I'll say it again. That is not the voice of God. The voice of God, because of what Jesus has done, is saying, son or daughter, come on in. You get to come boldly before the throne of grace anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even on Sundays, my goodness. Nobody else does that anymore. Actually, everybody's open on Sundays. Things have changed. (laughs) But that's the kind of access that we have to God. And here's the amazing thing, folks. It's not just... A monologue. Prayer is not just me going, okay, God, I got, here's all my problems. Here's all my shortcomings. Here's all my failures. Make it work. See you later. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is actually a dialogue. You know what? some of the most amazing times I've had in prayer? Is when I haven't said a word. Where I've just been able to sit in God's presence and just maybe even just read his word, but he starts to speak to me. By his Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about, like, I've, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Like I, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what it would sound like. But But God starts to speak to you. Because God's wanting fellowship with you. He's wanting the same type of fellowship that he's calling us to have together. Where we are so, so close. He's wanting to have that with us. That's what he died for. That's what he purchased us for. But prayer is not a monologue, but it's a dialogue. We see in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. it says to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Talk to God without ceasing. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I'm like this sometimes. I get something that comes across my mind, something that's frustrating me, and it's like, I think about it. Again and again and again and again and again, and I can think about it, While I'm working. I can think about it while I'm trying to be a dad and it shows up in how I'm trying to be a dad. Anybody else here? Thank you. Good. I'm I'm glad I'm not alone. Yet if I were to tell myself, well, hey, Brian, you can pray and work and you can pray and be a dad. I'd be like, no, I can't. But I can worry and work. I can worry and try to be a dad. The reality is, is if, we're, if, we're trying, if we're willing to talk to God about it without ceasing all the time, God is willing to talk back about it all the time. That God, is not, it's not just a one-way street here. This is a two-way street where God's willing to speak to you, to have a conversation with you. This is the promise that we have now with the Holy Spirit being in our hearts through faith that we have access to God all the time. I say all that to say this. The church, the church that God is calling us to be is the people who will do these things. Not just talk about it, not just read about it, not just give everybody a high five about it on a Sunday morning, but we would live these things. Because what started to happen when the early church was doing these things, it says that day by day, God was adding to them those who were being saved. Why was it that that was happening? Well, I have to logically assume that it was because these people where they were coming together and they were having a great time together and they were praying together, they were experiencing community but they realized because of the Holy Spirit's working in their life, they couldn't contain it to just this one gathering. It had to get out of that context. It had to get out into the world around them. They were leaving their times together and they were going and sharing the good news of Jesus around. They were inviting others into the family of God, not just into a Sunday morning experience where other people could come and they can hear a nice talk and listen to some music, but they were actually brought into the family of God where they found identity, equipping, and and releasing into their destiny in Jesus. This is what was happening. As we read in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, it says, "Now, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the what? The power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. See, we, be- we believe, we are those who believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond we could all- beyond what we could ask or think or imagine. But it's according to what? The power that's working in you and me. The direct correlation to God working a miracle and doing a breakthrough in our generation, and our time, is directly connected to you positioning yourself to be part of the body and not just attending a building. Not just showing up on Sunday mornings. That you're gonna live life together. That you're gonna pray together. You're gonna encourage one another. You're gonna be in the word together. You're gonna pray together. If I didn't say that already. You're gonna pray together. But the, see, this, this is what's so amazing. The Holy Spirit starts to work in people's lives. Starts to transform them. How many of you know, like I mentioned it before, Peter was this, man, I just, I, I just relate so much with Peter because he has these moments of brilliance. yet these moments of like absolute foolishness and stupidity. And like I said, that's, that's hope for us all because the same Peter, when he encounters the living God and he encounters the power of the Holy Spirit, he gets up and starts preaching a message that causes 3,000 people to get saved. Come on, what's the church that mission is waiting for? Who are the people that mission is waiting for to cross the line, to leave the building, not just, not, not just to leave the building. We, like, we want it. It's important that we're gathering together but this idea that somehow God is locked up in a building. He is now, the church that mission is looking for are the people who are willing to believe that God wants to show up through a body that's living, that's moving, that's active, that's breathing, that's reaching out and healing people, that's reaching out and serving people and expressing the power of God's love to a broken generation, to broken people. Can you stand to your feet here this morning? You know, I just want to take these next few minutes and we're just gonna. Mitchell's just gonna kind of strum here, but I think this is really important for us as a church to really decide what we who we're gonna be. Are we just gonna be a building? Are we just gonna be a monument? Or are we going to be a movement? Because you want to know what monuments are for? To mark something and to remember something that was dead. But a movement is living. A movement is active. A movement is life-filled. And that's what Jesus has purchased. That's the church that Jesus is building. Can you just lift your hands with me here this morning? Father in the name of Jesus God we thank you. We thank you for you willingly giving yourself on the cross, God, to pay for our sin. To pay for all those things God that has built a gap in between you and you and us, God. That you willingly went to the cross to forgive us, to build that bridge so that we could be close to you again. We could have, we could know what it means to be forgiven. And God, we thank you today that you're wanting to build your church. You're wanting to build a church that the gates of hell would not prevail against. You're wanting to build a church that would be a movement and not a monument. God, I pray this morning that you would do something in our hearts here today, God, that you would show us as we leave this building, you would show us what it means to really be a body of Christ to be the body of Christ to the world around us. God, as we go into our workplaces, as we go out to family gatherings in different times, Lord, we would see the significance of what you're wanting to do in those places. God, demonstrate your power, God, even as we read in Ephesians 3 that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we could ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. God, help us to be that conduit, God, that allows your power to flow through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear how you have been impacted by this message. You can contact us at info at hillcity.ca or simply find us on Facebook and Instagram.